Hello and welcome to a milestone episode 250 of the Rand Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. Episode 250, yeah! What Pokemon is that? Uh... It has to be the end of Also, that was Kevin, who just faded himself out. Yeah, what up? Well, 251 Celebi. I know that. Oh, damn. So who comes before? Probably Entei or Ho-Ho or... No, it's Ho-Ho or Lugia. Oh, it's I think it's Ho-Ho then. I think Lugia is 249. Yeah, it's Ho-Ho. So welcome to the Ho-Ho episode. The Milestone Ho-Ho episode. Wait, Johto only added 100 Pokemon? No, it always added 150. No, it added 100. No, yeah, just which which is funny because uh. whenever I hear two fifty, like honestly, I think of Pokemon Gold and Silver. I don't think of like I don't know why. Like Pokemon's at like what nine hundred thirty now, nine hundred thirty two, something like that. But I always think of when I hear two fifty. Oh, that's the number of Pokemon, which is not accurate anymore. But I, I don't know why that is. Maybe because like Gold and Silver are the best games in the series. But no, thinking of it as the Ho-Oh episode does make it feel just a little more important. a little more special. I mean. Yeah, you know, it's projected in the very first episode that we get to 250 when Ho flew over us as we were talking. So here we are, just like in the cartoon. But um, anyway, yeah, it's for for a milestone episode. It's actually a pretty typical episode. Uh, we're going to be sharing impressions of the newest Smash uh, Bros. Ultimate Fighter, or Fighters, plural. It's Pyra and Myth uh, with kind of two in one, uh, along with the Switch version of EA's free-to-play uh, Apex Legends. Um it's basically swords versus guns. Like, do you want the sword? The characters are swords that come to life. Do you want guns and apex? Hence our episode title of Choose Your Weapon. And then on the news side, uh, really it wouldn't be like a significant milestone episode if we didn't have two running tropes of our show show up. Number one is reports of an upcoming system revision. 4K Switch is almost finally real. And a glance at some MPD sales numbers, among other stuff. So, uh, yeah, should be a good episode. There's timestamps for all that on the blog post. Um... Oh, there's also actually, for folks listening at home, um, something else important about this episode is if you stay tuned to the end, 250 milestone means we're doing a giveaway of a $25 eShop gift code, credit, whatever you want to call it. We're only doing 25 because I don't think either of us wanted to spend, or any of the three of us wanted to spend $250, so we shaved off the zero for our own sakes. But if you stay tuned to the end of the show, uh, we'll tell you how you can get that gift card code thing for 25 bucks, which is perfect to say... By the Fighters Pass. That includes Pyra and uh, Mithra in Smash Bros. Which brings us to our first topic, I guess, which is Pyra and Mithra in Smash Bros. Um, they were first announced in last month's Nintendo Direct, right? Uh, but it was such a packed presentation that we decided to save all our thoughts on them for this episode. So since it's, you know, it's what we've been playing is these characters, they're now out for everyone to try. But before we can get to that, right off the bat, what do you guys think of them being included in the Fires Pass? Like, what was your initial gut reaction to some Xenoblade folks showing up as the next big DLC for Smash? Gut reaction? Like, immediately in the trailer? Um, I mean, you know, just like, pure honesty, not like, trying to sugarcoat it with like, yeah. oh, you know, happy for people that got it. I think I was just like, like, oh man. Not like, but then, you know, but that's like, just because, you know, I want to be shocked and excited. That's like just my new thing. I just want to be shocked. Even if I don't necessarily want to play as a character. Um, but you know, as soon as like that moment passed, like, I'm still like, it, I think it was more because I felt like this character, you know, they've already alluded to wanting to have, having wanted to put a Xenoblade Chronicles 2 character in the game. So 
it just felt like an expected one. Mm. Like it just didn't feel like an exciting pick as much as I know, like this will actually make a lot of people happy. And the character themselves, like, I mean, it, they're interesting ish. I'll get to why that ish later, but yeah, I don't know. It, N- N- Nintendo character picks for Smash Bros. characters just don't get me excited anymore. Like it, it I, just feels too safe to you, or like what? Yeah, it, it feels safe. It didn't. It just didn't feel like. I it, it just wasn't like I I I never played Final Fantasy Seven. I um I I wouldn't I don't know I, I would say I'm probably a bigger fan of the music than the game. It's then I probably enjoy the game. The music I've heard more than being motivated to play the game itself. But when Sephiroth got announced, I was still like, like, whoa, like he's actually in there? Like, that's crazy. Like, just as a, like, I can't believe they put did, him in did there. Did you say that out loud to no one when he was revealed? Did you just go like, whoa, to an empty room? I don't think I said it out loud, but I was definitely thinking all that. I was just like, I don't know. I just felt like he brought, like, a presence. And mm-hmm. even Minecraft, like, I wasn't necessarily like, oh, man, they better get Minecraft in here. But I was just like, oh, wow, they actually did it. Like, those crazy people at Nintendo did it. Those but this one just felt like whatever the meme is. <laughs> yeah, this one just felt like like yeah, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. That makes I mean, sense. As Kevin, as someone yeah. that's like outside the Smash Bros. like sphere somewhat, because you don't really play. Did you have kind of that same like ho hum reaction versus some of the other fighters that have been shown in the past? I uh, yeah, I kind of agree with uh, Angel's sentiments. Where first party characters don't really do the excitement for me, mm-hmm. as opposed to like. The fact that, oh, Nintendo went out of their way to get this third-party character. It, it definitely does seem a little easy. Yeah. But that's not a Sakurai's fault. That's uh, <laughs> Nintendo chose Nintendo's. it. Yeah, I, yeah. I will and, say. And it's do. funny because... Or go ahead, Angel. And I blame Joker for all this just because, like... <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. In a good way. Like You need to chill out, dog. <laughs> because, before, because before Joker was announced, um, you know, we had the... I guess in the core roster, who were the... Were there any crazy third parties? I feel like, you know, a lot of the big well, ones like were like... Snake was, I mean, there's Snake, was there was Sonic, there was Pac-Man, there was... No, 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 New. New. Oh. New to Ultimate. Cloud, no, Cloud was in Brawl as well. I guess Simon and Richter are Yeah, parties. yeah. There's a Castlevania new. duo. I guess Ken. Like, some stuff in there, you know, like, they were... But there were also characters that were, like, long expected. And then when Joker got announced, that was, like... That felt, you know, as almost as far left field as, like, Steve did or... Other, I would say further because Persona didn't have Actually, that probably, close yeah, of a, the, yeah. like the only Personas on Nintendo furthest, yeah. were spinoffs on the DS, basically like Persona Q. Yeah, because that, that one, because even though I hadn't played Persona at that time, and I still haven't, although I do, I would like to one day. Like that one for sure. Like it was just such a weird and crazy pick that I couldn't help but just be excited for the fact that he was in there, just because he's like from a completely different franchise that isn't really necessarily associated with Nintendo. And then, you know, like, they kind of kept the train going. Like, Terry, I was also kind of, not obviously not as hyped about, but he just felt kind of cool. I'm like, all right, like, there's other fighters besides Street Fighter that got recognition. I mean, Banjo was Banjo. Even Hero, like, he's not the most, like, I guess, emotive or, like, exciting character-wise, like, you know, personality-wise. But, like, what he brought to the table was just really interesting, I felt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pretty much, like, brought Mario Party like tactics to smash oh, like Brothers. the random element yeah yeah and then yeah and then we got Byleth, and it was like oh like yeah just coming from like joker to banjo to hero it was just yeah yeah ending with Byleth, and then it just feels like a Byleth reaction like i don't hate Byleth being in the game 
or necessarily another Fire Emblem character. It just felt unexciting, kind of like how Min Min was. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like the idea that an arms character is in Smash Brothers, but you know, it's also because of the the really slow trickle we have. If we had like, um, and I know we've talked about this, like that. Um, for Nintendo, this is definitely like still better, just because you know it'll still get a lot of attention, good or bad, mm-hmm. whether a character is liked or not. But it would make the overall impression of each character feel a lot better for the most part if you know they just had one giant trailer, kind of like Mortal Kombat does, where like it starts with like like the one I'm thinking of right now has like uh, I was gonna call him Molecule Man. I think it's the Atom, like coming out of an exploding building that Raiden and some other dude we're fighting in that I guess we're also like revealed as new, like slowly one at a time, they're just getting revealed, but it's like one big CG trailer. And then the Adam gets attacked by, I guess, Enchantress who, I guess some people were like, Oh, from Suicide Squad. It's like, Oh, that's not that exciting. And then you get Ninja Turtles at the end. I don't know where. So, you know, that so was, you kind of get like, that wasn't a Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Regardless, same developers, but yeah, that injustice true trailer. I remember, like right after, like if they had something like that, where like if they had you know Bylus right. like appearing, and then it's like okay, Bylus and Fighting Minim is like oh what Sephiroth, oh what Steve. I, I mean, I don't know. This, but you also do get like the oh my god, who's going to be in this mm-hmm, moment? But mm-hmm. like in that second, you know, it's like you're immediately excited or just like okay i guess who's the next one i i think two two things one i still remember i I came over to record i think it was just when you and i did the podcast and i came over to record right after that injustice trailer i've never seen you so like shell-shocked about something no pun intended but you were like floored by that ninja turtle reveal like i you were just looping it when i walked in i've never seen you react like that to anything it was the most i've ever seen you excited about something but um to your point about the multi-trailer thing yeah it's one of the few times i've done an audible like what the heck yeah especially with my brother being there too like we were both just like that's like giddy this is crazy <laughs> but and you know i pr- I proceeded never to play injustice 2 yeah that was the weird thing the but um and it was even on like or no, that was Injustice 1 that was on the Wii U. Never mind. I don't think 2 made it. But uh, yeah. what I was going to say is, to your point about the trailers, I wonder if, like, yes, there is some, like, rise and fall of, you know, they, they have a hype cycle and it gets attention and it gets, you know, attention on the games that are associated with it. But I do wonder if maybe, like, the third-party characters get revealed that are individual because it's more of a moment, and then the first-party characters, because it's less of a moment, can all just sort of be balled together. Like, maybe... If they were to do a uh, Fire yeah. Pass three, the first half is all first party characters, just guaranteed all first party, and they do like a literally reveal trailer they, for they three characters, and then they just front load all out the, the first rest. party, yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, because imagine if it was you know you have your Min Min and then Pyro slash Mitra, and then you know you're followed by Steve and then Sephiroth. I mean, yeah, but then you know expectations are obviously going up. Like, and mm-hmm. I. I, I just really hope there's two more third-party characters. I, I will say... Also, just gets more variety in music and whatnot. I don't really care who it is at this point. I think I just don't want first-party characters, which is kind which of... Which is so funny, because Smash was so long, like, a first-party thing. And everyone's like, oh, we're going to open up to gaming as a whole. That's weird. Like, there's a whole back and forth among fans of whether it should be Nintendo like, only. Honestly, and now that isn't, it feels weird when they go back to the Nintendo well. Like, it, it like, reversed. Like, honestly, can't think of a franchise that's third-party that would make me go oh even if i don't necessarily like the franchise just because it's a third party and kind of to what kevin said like they had to like go out of their way to get it like to make it yeah. work yeah it, it there's no i mean it could be freaking i'm even trying to think of a franchise like 
I mean, I guess there's nothing I really Laura Croft. Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. If it's just Laura Croft, like, I think I maybe played part of the game when I was little, and I didn't even know at the time. So I have like no association with her. But yeah, even that would be like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, where did that come from? I think that's yeah. I don't know. I I do think like we it, keep talking about how it's first party, but I do think one thing that's kind of noteworthy. Is, well, first of all, like. I was the same reaction. I was kind of okay, whatever. But two for fans of Xenoblade, like it, it, the attention to detail is the same as it's always been with any of these characters. So that's kind of cool, you know, like the way they bring in the side characters. Oh, the yeah, way yeah, Gramps yeah. is like, you know, the stage, but he's like looking at other parts of the Xenoblade world that are flying by. Like they do that running joke about Rex not being a fighter, which I assume is something funny to Xenoblade fans. But what I thought was kind of cool, ignoring you know the fans, is I've never seen a developer of a character be so excited about their character. Nintendo doesn't usually give them the chance, I guess. But like you know, normally these partnerships happen. It's handed off to Sakurai and his team, us here, Sakurai, um, director of the game, and they handle everything, right? Like they just take the reins and go. But we learned that that fake out introduction video they did in the presentation in the Nintendo Direct um, was actually put together by the Xenoblade team at Monolith Soft. And then, like, the day it came out, like, Monolith Soft and all, like, they were, like, tweeting out, like, little animations of, like, Pyro with her Smash invite that they rendered. And, like, they were, like, that excitement was really cool to see. And it was kind of a little infectious because they were so excited to have their character, even though they're a Nintendo second party now, to have their character get into Smash. Like, that was kind of, like, I felt happy for them seeing all their tweets and all their, you know, videos they were putting out and everything. So that was, it didn't make up for the, the initial, like, oh, okay, but it sort of was like, you know what, like... For a developer, even if you're internal at Nintendo in some capacity, like, what an honor to get your character to be, like, invited to Smash, even if it's for marketing purposes, you know? Like, it's it, it really yeah, solidifies I mean, your IP as being, like, a big deal. And for any of these characters that we're, like, ho-hum about, like, I definitely wouldn't wish they weren't in the game. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's everybody's, like, every, every character is, like, someone's dream character. Totally. So, which is pretty awesome. It just, you know. Just want to be overall generally excited. And you're not going to hit that. I mean, there's so many RPG characters in this path. <laughs> like, yeah, so, but it, you know, in a weird way, um, what is kind of most interesting to me about Pyramithra being included is almost what it signaled about where the fire pass is going to go next. Like, namely what won't be there, I think. Um, like, hear, hear me out here. I'm going to kind of spin a... What is it spinning yard? Uh, no, go. no, no, but they're, they're, Another, no, listen, listen. It's like every other person that says, like, oh, this character is here. That's my point. No, that's my point. There's been... And then turns out, and then turns out they're wrong. That's what I'm like, getting oh. at. So there's been this long time fan buzz. I wouldn't say rumors, kind of just wishes and expectations that Crash Bandicoot's going to come into the game, which does, on some level, make a lot of sense. You know, he's a gaming staple. He's been revived these last few years. And then he's sort of like, oh, he's a PlayStation guy. I think that nonsense kind of flew out the window when Cloud and Sephiroth both became part of Smash independently of each other. But um, what I think Pyramithra, what the release of them did to me at least is confirm that we are not going to get Crash. And that's because if you look at how Smash DLC is handled, it is kind of becoming more and more of i mean you were talking about you know like the the rise and fall of the hype with each character it's kind of becoming more of a marketing tool for other properties right like we initially saw it with save data way back when the ultimate first came out and they're like oh if you have this other game or if you buy this other game we'll give you special spirits in the game which is actually something that is now back in the update that Pyra and Myth uh, were in uh if you have persona 5 strikers save data kevin if you have ghosts and goblins save data you get special spirits of those characters from those games. 
And then we've seen them do it, you know, with past DLC fire choices too. Like you mentioned Steve from Minecraft. That happened weeks before Minecraft Dungeons got a huge second push and its season pass announced. Uh, Hero from Dragon Quest, which you also mentioned, you know, rolled out, I think, eight weeks, 12 weeks before Dragon Quest Eleven S hit Switch. And even if you go back to like Corrin and, you know, when he came out, that was very explicitly said, oh, it's because Fire Emblem Fates is about a release. So, I mean, and not just that, actually, because even in the specific, now that I think about it, even I mean, the, that's just some, though. I don't think it applies to all. It doesn't necessarily apply to all, but even in like this specific Sakurai Presents for Pyra and I mean, Mithra, what was the reason for Sephiroth? What? I mean, oh, well, the, they're writing the... Final Fantasy VII wasn't... Uh, Final Fantasy VII was out earlier that year, and they announced the five the ps5 version about two months later so they're right in the middle of that hype this kind of feels like reaching maybe but i guess what i'm saying is like even like it felt very apparent to me that they're going further into like oh we do these things for marketing i mean sakurai straight up said in the presentation all the new me fighter costumes there's three monster hunter ones there's arthur from ghosts and goblins they all are happening now because hey would you look at that Ghosts and Goblins has an exclusive new Switch game, Resurrection. It's out right now. And hey, in like three weeks, Monster Hunter Rise is releasing. So look, we have costumes for it. Which, um, well, actually, Angel, what you are a monster, both of you, now that I think about it, are Monster Hunter fans. What do you think of them just getting me costumes? Is it doing the series justice? Would you want to see like an actual fighter in the vein of Monster Hunter? Literally nothing to say because, I mean, those costumes were already on the Wii U version. So they're just recycling, essentially? Yeah, so it's just like, oh, there they are. I thought they were already in the game, actually. <laughs> I was kind of surprised that they weren't. But do you think it, do you think the it rules out... Which is for a out, lot of the costumes recently. Do you think it rules out any dedicated Monster Hunter fighter in the remainder of the pass? I don't think so. But, you know, it's not going to stop anyone from thinking that it does if a Monster Hunter character doesn't come in. It's going to be because they had the costume. Right. I think, I don't know, the costumes just end there. That's pretty much it. I mean, I love how the armor looks. I've always liked that costume because it covers the me face, so you don't have to deal with that. But it <laughs> you design the me like, face. Kind of you make it sound like it's <laughs> like it's this awful thing you're stuck with. You can make it look like anything. Make it look like Zoidberg. Yeah, but that's but they still have that me aesthetic though. Like sure, I just like it sure. when they end up just having like a full face mask that completely changes the model, like the Bomberman one, the Sans one, you know, or even like this helmet for that matter, or Cuphead, like. Yeah, like, the Miis are fine, but I kind of wish they were just full-on, like, you know, texture swaps or, I guess, yeah. model swaps most of the time. Like, the K. Rule costume, I guess, before we even had K. Rule, or even, like, Gino, like, why not just give him, like, a normal Gino head instead of being stuck with the Mii one? Or, like, I really hate those, like, me costume heads that are for specific characters like K. Rule, mm-hmm. where it's just, like, a hat, but you can still see the me face. It's, like... Just give them a full, like, even if it has to look silly, like a, like a theme park mascot face. Like, I would still think that would actually be pretty, just over... that would actually be pretty cool. But it's like, no, it has to be like a baseball cap of sorts. Do you think, with that in mind, that when Super Nintendo World, so it's opening now, uh, March 18th in Japan, but do you think as it starts rolling out around the world, if they're still doing Smash DLC, they're going to do, like, theme park mascot costumes? Probably not. <laughs> It'd be kind of cool. They could get that. They could get that weirdly rotund toad. I could see them doing a shirt or maybe like a giant glove hand or I don't know. They'll probably do something, but because like for maybe for, a... for Sakurai and Co, it's an easy way to pad DLC without actually having to like reinvent. Like you can now have multiple Mario's, and no one's got a question because one's like theme park Mario. I mean, I'm sure at some point we're still gonna get like the Tales of Symphonia Lloyd costume because we still don't have that on the Wii U. I mean, on the Switch. 
but that was mm. on the Wii U. Mm. So who knows when that would drop by, but it wouldn't surprise me if we get that at some point. And I mean, that's a Bandai Namco property, so it's even more of a matter of time. Right, yeah. But anyway, my my um my point why I brought up the Miis is if you go back... Unless we get Lloyd. Oh, like oh. Another sword fighter, but... That's, a, that's what I was thinking. Way. Like, Lloyd would be super cool, but yeah, he's another sword fighter. I don't know how that would go... <laughs> I, guess I don't know how well that would go down stuff. with the community. <laughs> it definitely wouldn't. Unless they, like, pick someone else from... like. Yeah, if they, if they pick a Tales game, like, it would probably be, like, Tales of Symphonia, and it would probably be Lloyd. But it does have two swords, which we don't have yet. Yeah, true. But, That's true. But he also does use a lot of, but he also can use magic too, so, I mean. But yeah, we're, we're, I mean, that's also just kind of getting back to, like, Mithra and Pyra. Like, yeah, they use swords, but they also kind of do weird stuff with them. It's not just straight up, I guess it is straight up swords. It, it is and it isn't. But but real quick, before we yeah. get to that, let me just finish my crash point before I lose my thread there in my head. Um, all I was going to say about Crash uh, is the reason I rattled off the costumes but, and stuff is if you go look at Crash right now on Switch, he has a lot. Just give me the the me costume with like the little face hole. See, that would work. From, because like, yeah, like right now, like I feel like they killed their momentum because Crash has it on Switch right now. Like you know, they they did the Crash Team Racing free trial at the start of the year for Switch Online. Crash Four, it's about time. Just launched on Switch this weekend. It lines up perfectly if they were like, oh, and here's Crash and Smash. And 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 I'm not saying Crash won't necessarily happen, but well, I mean, to your point earlier. None of them have lined up perfectly. They're like six months later. No, usually they're earlier. Later, is my point. Two months earlier. Yeah. So it. I mean, they could do it, and and that's why I think it could potentially happen. Oh, but... so you don't care how much time later, as long as they beat them to the punch. I'm putting the character in. Wait, what? So as long as the character is in Smash before whatever announcement or game related. I'm saying that's what their pattern the is. Switch? They more often, if there's a game involve, involving that character, they more often get them in for the third parties ahead versus behind. And that doesn't mean mm-hmm. it won't happen because he's iconic enough they could do it on his own. But I just feel like given how much more savvy Nintendo's gang with the marketing tie-ins now, it feels like Xenoblade characters that could be dropped at any time being in the slot that could have been perfect for Crash may point to no Crash. But who knows? It's just a theory. But I, I do feel like it's it, 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 it made me think something that seemed pretty plausible is a little less so now essentially and and it's also worth knowing that it's not like smash guarantees some big marketing success or big sales boost i mean xenoblade right now is seeing one because of pyra mirthra um apparently in japan xenoblade chronicles 2 has sold out here in the u.s inventory of it's quite low in the states but like you mentioned min min angel if you look at min min that didn't exactly light arms on fire again and it certainly wasn't for lack of trying like i don't know if you guys remember but they tied in min min with a new global test punch uh demo weekend when she came out in smash on switch uh and then they brought back in-game events in ARMS, and they did all this stuff. I think they even discounted the game by like 20 bucks briefly, and yet didn't really get much more traction, which, you know, is a bummer since, as we've talked about so many times before on the show, like ARMS had so much potential in its world building, but I guess the world just wasn't resonating with anyone. Even if it did sell a couple million copies, like in Nintendo Ease, a couple million copies isn't enough. You need like tens of millions to move on. I mean, they just the other day were got out that the ARMS graphic novel that upped and vanished by uh the one dark horse was doing has been all out canceled and now it's supposed to on the lore yeah the heck? yeah it's gone uh i mean dark horse themselves didn't outright say it's canceled but the writer who wrote the preview for free comic book day where they first announced it put on his website that the comic has been scrapped so i don't know i mean at, at this point i guess i can see arms like being like a punch out of sorts where like it pops up every few nintendo generations for a little revival 
or I, I don't know. Like they, they kind of have stuff in common, right? I mean, obviously the punching, but you know, they're also like a colorful cast of characters. They're all themed around different things, big colorful art style, kind of like you're lear- like learning their personality through their moves. Like it, there's some parallels. I could see them trying to do that. Although it, it does always seem like the games that Nintendo puts the most diverse world building into always are the ones that get backburnered first by Nintendo. Punch Out, F Zero, Arms. I think maybe Splatoon's the one exception where it's actually been able to explore its lore fully and become really popular. Like, am, am I missing any? That those seem like the big three that Nintendo kind of put a lot of time into the world and just got nothing in return. Mm, not the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, so that's right. that's kind of a bummer about ours but yeah my my point is i feel like this diminished crash a little it doesn't necessarily mean it won't happen it doesn't even mean that the marketing works all the time but it the pattern this kind of broke the pattern but anyway that was a tangent inside a tangent you were starting to talk about my uh pyra mistress uh mistress um actual sword play right like the actual gameplay how are you liking it so far because you're saying it's kind of like a sword character but kind of not where where where'd your head at with that? Uh, I mean, I, I I was just gonna get it. Like, they personally, I don't feel they bring anything exciting to the table. Like the the coolest thing about them is that you get to swap characters. Mm-hmm. And while that does change their B moves, like it's not a I don't know, it's just not a new and exciting mechanic. Like Sephiroth, I felt like was able to get away with not really having any crazy new mechanic either, just because his things were just kind of exaggerated. Like, the explosion of his B move, like, yeah, it's just a projectile, but because it's just so huge and slow and, like, it covers, like, half the screen and can kill you easily, like, it just really makes it stand out. Same thing for his, um, his soul flare or his shadow ball thingies that are kind of annoying to deal with, but, I mean, they're very much like his. Pyra and Mithra, they, they kind of feel like Byleth in the sense that it's just um, remixed stuff that we've seen already, just in a different combination. I mean, especially coming from, like, Steve, who had to practically get, like, the whole game reprogrammed to make him work. Right. Like, these just, like, even, like, the character, the character mechanics just feel safe as well. Like, yeah, Pyrus is slow and strong. She has the Ike up B. Yeah. I mean, she has, like, a yeah. slow but strong boomerang. Like, I don't know, the beats is a spin. Like, nothing, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know, like, they even make, they went out of their way to show the presentation that, like, look, this is this move from that game. And even in the game, like, they didn't seem that exciting either, except for, like, a few. But, yeah, they're, they just feel very, I guess, vanilla. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think your Ike comparison is bond, because the thing I picked up on is, uh, like, Pyra is Pyra's ridiculously well, fast. I mean, she looks like she's like on the speed boost the whole time. You mean but Mithra? Of that, not Pyra, that, Mithra. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well, Mithra's that's ridiculously what I was gonna say. It's fast. Like Pyra's but... like, it's almost like Mithra is the Lucina to Pyra's Ike in terms of how they handle to me. Like, I really thought going into it, I was gonna prefer the fact that Mithra is faster and everything because I usually lean towards Lucina and that sort of speed. But I did find that I was kind of moving more towards Pyra's more powerful attacks more often than not, which I think. Sakurai also mentioned in the presentation he preferred, so I guess yeah, I'm in good really company. hard to kill with with Mithra. Yeah, but it's like even at like really high percentages, mm-hmm. like at over a hundred, like unless you land like a really good smash attack, like she's not gonna kill. Yeah, so I, I did find myself kind of juggling the two of them, which um, you know I do appreciate that. Yeah, it's another sword fire, but at least 
it's different in that there's two of them and you are kind of juggling them. So you do have more of the generic sword moves to do, but it definitely feels like they took Ike, they took Lucina or someone, they smushed them together and made you swap between them. And um, I, I feel like like the path to how this character got created was more interesting than the outcome because uh, Sakurai was detailing in his Famicom, uh, Famicom, his Famitsu column in Japan, the, the magazine over there, that the character was at one point going to be two on screen at once. It's going to be Rex and Pyra, but logistically it got messy. They couldn't really get it working you know imagine if you had i think he even said this in the presentation imagine if you had ice climbers and them that's a lot of characters on screen at once so they kind of started whittling it down to this thing where it's basically just a swappable sword fighter but the fact that you basically have an ike and a lucina in tandem and have to juggle the two of them at least helps it stand out a little from other sword fighters like they individually don't seem that special but having the duality kind of made oh, yeah, them fun like, compared to other sword fighters they're definitely they're their own thing. Like yeah. I, like I don't mean to say that they feel completely unoriginal. They're just not really exciting gameplay wise. Sure. Yeah. Like I don't really feel like I have to change the way I approach them to compared to other just BD characters. Like I feel like I have to approach Sephiroth differently because of that, the crazy range that he has, mm-hmm. or I have to approach like Steve differently. Even Min Min, like you can't really fight in the same way. But Pyra and Mithra, you know, they're just it's like you're fighting Sheik or Greninja or yeah, yeah. Or Roy or Which even like Trump for that matter. Even in their classic mode, the way like the single player, you know, classic mode campaign, the way that they didn't have anything to pull from like a, a lot of the other DLC characters you had really deep cuts of references or all sorts of stuff in classic mode. This one was literally like, Hey, look at these other pairs of characters. It's like Zelda and Sheik and Samus and Dark Samus and Ryu and Ken. Go fight each of them. They just like the whole thing just feels kinda like, Oh yeah, we've been here before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> honestly if it wasn't for the fact that they can't swap between two characters. Yeah. Even if only the B moves are changing, like it, it would probably be at that point, it might have been like disappointing, even like from a gameplay perspective. Yeah. But what's yeah, what's been they're, uh, they're in the game. <laughs> I mean, you you have a finger on the pulse of this. What's been the competitive scenes response to them? Are they as meh about it as we kind um, of are? People are so far saying they're probably the best character in the game. But really? Yeah, people already found way too potentially infinite an opponent. Oh. Um, with Pyra's side view where she spins her sword like a top. Well, yeah, throws it forward like a boomerang, yeah, actually. Yeah. During that time where, you know, she can't attack, because, mm-hmm. you know, they made it a point like, oh, yeah, she can't attack while you're doing mm-hmm. that. She could run up to the person trapped in the sword while they're spinning, jump on them to footstool them. And if the person misses their attack, you know, like hitting the shoulder button right when they hit the ground, um, she could punch them once and then throw another boomerang sword so she could chain it. and just rinse and repeat until they die. I did notice and, when I was playing as her. And even if they tech it... I gotta look this up. And I was gonna say, and even if they tech it, um, then she could, you know, at one point, like, you have to expect that good people will start teching it, but even that doesn't save you because it just becomes like a 50-50. Like, she could either run at you, like, if she throws the sword in the direction you're gonna roll, then you're trapped in it again. Or, you know, it, it's just like Ganondorf at that point, which doesn't make it bad. It just makes it... um really dangerous to play against her mm. also just on um, pyra i mean mithra apparently just also has like, a lot of shenanigans people think this is a bug but i guess she could if she dodges towards the stage um higher than the i guess the i guess if she if she dodges towards the stage from a higher position than i guess the platform where she would grab the ledge mm-hmm. from from a higher position than the ledge she will have invincibility the entirety of the time that she travels to it and grabs it 
where normally people or other characters are vulnerable for like two frames, like right when they grab the ledge, which is where the term two framing comes in. Like usually as Bowser, I'll wait by the ledge when people are recovering and I'll try to time a a forward tilt punch downward so that it'll hit them the moment they recover. And depending on the character, like sometimes, or the type of recovery, like I could almost land that really accurately. I know it just make it impossible for some people to recover or they'll just straight up die. But, you know, that just makes it completely immune to it. Mm-hmm. And apparently Mithra also has their own, like, little crazy combos and stuff. But, yeah, they're really good. I, they're considered I will say the really Pyra, um, the, the exploit of sorts with her boomerang, I know, even I noticed that. Like, when I was just casually playing, I was like, oh, I threw it, but I can, like, move freely and just go up and wait there for it to end. Like, that, you know, to the opponent, that seemed like a weird choice even to me who doesn't even know, you know, like the ins and outs of oh if i footstool them and do this and if i use this frame like just on the surface i was like that seems op so yeah that i, I wouldn't be surprised if they patch it yeah i mean it kind of keeps in line with other characters that i mean like when the links throw a boomerang or when anyone throws a boomerang for that matter yeah, hers, like, like lingers run, run, run at move. that spot that's the difference i feel like like links it goes and comes back like hers like it hovers there for no a, yeah a no but all of the other people can attack at the same time so you know it's um yeah like, the only thing she can do is that footstool. That's, like, literally all she can do if she wants to do anything. Because even when she gets the sword back, that also has, like, some delay on it. So, mm. like, she won't really be able to follow it up unless you footstool. Which is already just a really powerful thing. But, you know, will that get patched out? Will it not? Who knows? I'm going to guess point. yes. I mean, they just made some crazy changes to Pichu of all characters <laughs> in the update. So, you never know who gets yeah, they, patched. Yeah, they buffed a lot of people. And they also nerfed a lot of people. This was an interesting, an interesting patch, mm-hmm. but yeah, overall, they seem at least they seem they seem fun to yeah. play as. I mean, they're definitely not boring. I feel like overall just it's not... just kind of a shrug, like cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, spectator wise, they're not <laughs> super exciting, yeah. but you know, playing as them, like you know, they're one I mean, of the And the thing they're is, like Lucina is one of my main characters I use, and if you know, if I gang Lucina vibes from. Uh, Mithra, but then I also get the weight of Ike when needed with Pyra. Like I could see myself playing with this character more frequently. Like it, it's kind of it, it's like Lucina plus for me. So maybe I will get something out of this, even though I'm kind of ho hum on its inclusion in the first place. Yep. But yeah, so that means we have to wait till probably June or July to hear something for the next one. I would guess so. Most likely, yeah, probably June. If they do a direct, that would be when E3 was supposed to be. Um, yeah, that would make sense. And then use that in the same How many fighters are left? Two? Uh, there are two, two, yes. There's a part of me, back yeah. to the, you know, Nintendo's got to use this for marketing perspective, that they're going to do what's-his-name from Skyward Sword, the bad guy with the tongue, whose name I'm completely forgetting. Gear him or whatever. There's a part of me that thinks he's going to be one of them. It just lines up with I Nintendo's, like, not. approach to this stuff. And his tongue will be his weapon. Although, although while I don't see it as a valid argument, not, not what you just said. Um, the whole like me fighters having costumes. Yeah, I would at least give more weight to an assist trophy being in the game. Mm. Then I would give more weight to that, which Gearham does have an assist trophy. But right, right, I forgot he does. Yeah. yeah, with his tongue. But you know they could, which you know they could still do that. But I kind of hope not. Or maybe I hope the maybe uh, third party goose will be loose in Smash. I expect there's gonna be a Skyward Sword thing. I don't know. I hope not. There's already a lot of Zelda characters. Maybe a Loftwing uh, me costume where you have a little silly hat like the felines from Monster Hunter. That would maybe be a more yeah, appropriate yeah. speed for something like that. 
I could definitely see that. Simultaneously, it could be Travis Touchdown. No More Heroes 3 is out in August. I know he has a me costume. Damn. I just... Yeah, I, I guess there is a character that's third party that would be pretty ho-hum or... Really? really? It, it, why is that? Is it because he's a sword fighter? Uh, just because he doesn't seem like... Yeah, he just doesn't seem like he would bring anything interesting. He just... Yeah, I guess probably just because he's another sword fighter. I don't know. I haven't played his games much, so maybe there is something about him that could make it really exciting. But I just think that he just does like wrestling moves mm-hmm. and fights with a sword. Pretty much. And that's pretty much and it. And literally, No More Heroes 3, like we didn't really touch on it in um last episode either. But like that is just him doing the same thing, which I'm for. It's been so long since 1 2 came out. But yeah, he is very stuck in his ways of I am wrestling, doing wrestling moves with a sword. So his character in Smash, I assume will be the same you know like they just yeah. keep amping up what he's wrestling with his sword at like in the third one now it's aliens or whatever instead of assassins but i guess i would still be surprised i guess i would definitely be surprised that one i feel like would not so. surprise me i mean maybe it would because there's a me fire yeah. but like nintendo's working so closely with grass i'd be surprised at the audacity. the audacity how yeah. dare they but yeah uh we'll see yeah. maybe it'll be what's his name from Fortnite, the agent that apparently will have his closure in the new season Oh god! But yeah, that would also just surprise yep, me as well. Yep, you never know. But yeah, so that's Smash. That's what's going on with Smash. Um, we'll see where it goes next. But let's, I guess, now turn our attention to the other big release of late, one that all three of us have actually been playing, even together online, which I think is a, a rarity with us. Which is Apex Legends. Uh, it arrived on Switch on March 9th. It's in the midst of its eighth season, I believe. And eighth season and uh, mayhem. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's never looked better. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, I, I think first of all, I appreciate that to help us switch newbies out. They're like right now, you can gain double XP. You can jump thirty levels automatically if you buy the pass thing. And there's crossplay with friends on other platforms, which is cool because, like, Kevin was able to show us the ropes a little. But one thing that was kind of interesting that they didn't announce until like the day before: there's no cross progression. So before we even get to the impressions of the game or how it handles on Switch, Kevin, I'm curious, as our resident like Apex guy, is that a red flag for anyone who is currently in Apex? Never mind how it runs on Switch, but just the fact that they're not even letting you bridge the gap between what you've done so far in your version of Apex versus what the Switch one will let you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if anything, because of your limited hero selection or legend selection, the fact that I pretty much have to... The, the the fact that I can only choose from the starting five or starting six uh, is a real big bummer. The fact that I just can't have my full roster of legends is, is definitely a big bummer. And actually changes the way that you will play the game. Mm. Um, because especially in competitive, there there is a meta where like you specifically want to pick one of like four legends, and the fact that you can you can unlock them by buying them. But I have never had to buy them, so you know I'm I'm definitely not going to buy them on Switch. Right, right. I, and, and to be fair to the poor guys at Panic Button who did the port, they did say it's coming at some point. Uh, I guess there are issues they have to work through, including like getting the accounts lined up and some contractual and legal stuff. But like, there's a part that's looking at Apex and then looking at Fortnite and then looking at Rocket League and going, well. Those two latter games were able to figure it out just fine, so I don't know what the difference is here. Like, all three games have you sign in to the publisher's service, link your Nintendo account. Like, you know, two of them figured it out. Why can't Apex? But, yeah, I, I think that's at least going into it as someone who doesn't obviously have played Apex anywhere else. I think that that's kind of my thing with this poor overall is, like, it does what it needs to do, but not as 
well as it could. Like even as someone who doesn't have the experience, like like Panic Button's super talented. They you know with pouring games to Switch, like Doom is excellent. Rocket League's really good. Um, it just struck me as odd that like with Apex things feel ever so slightly off. Like they have crossplay but not pro- cross progression. They have uh, motion controls. Up and down, go up and down if you swing your controller. But for some reason, if you want to use the gyro to turn left or right, you have to do like kind of a steering wheel motion with the controller, not sort of a rolling your wrist like you do with any other game that uses motion aiming, including Panic Button's own port of Doom. So that just kind of stuck out to me as like they're so close with so much of this and then just a little off, which which makes me wonder, Kevin, since you have so much Apex experience, like (laughs) how worse of an experience is it on switch like is it does it feel like it's just way off base even like if i feel a little off as a switch only guy does it feel totally off as someone who's used to apex on like a more powerful machine Mm, you know what for what it is i kind of expected the switch port to look like this and run like this Mm. Uh, if anything it reminds me of why i don't play first person shooters with controllers anymore it felt like i went back to the PS1 days where I would move and then look around and then move, stop, look around. Like it's the game is so fast paced Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was a snail with just how traversal is on the switch or just how traversal feels on the switch. Sure. Right. Yeah. I think, Um, or go ahead. And then, uh, no, I, and then I guess if you want to go into the technicals, but no, go. I was just going to say, I think, yeah, before we get to technicals, I think I think it's interesting that, like, you know, you're coming in saying it feels so glacial to you, essentially. And I think in a way, like, not having that point of reference is letting me overlook a lot of that. Like, the game definitely has kind of this weird – first of all, on the technical side, the game's very blurry compared to some other games. Like, especially in handheld mode. I tried handheld and uh, TV and dock whatever and in handheld and handheld is is absolutely unplayable it i mean I'm it sorry, was panic button. again it's it's unplayable for me because i didn't have the point of reference i was fine okay. with it it felt like it was smudged with vaseline but like i was okay it was fine it wasn't ideal but it was fine like <laughs> you know what i mean i think to a certain point you're only fine with it because there's barely a part of it that works <laughs> it's it was it that I, I guess coming from where it runs at 60 frames because here we are at 30 frames it's 720p on your tv it's 576p on your handheld i guess if you're at 60 I, I feel frames like 1080 even, it makes a big difference no i feel even if i was at 720 30 and then switching over to that 572 or whatever i'd still would find it unacceptable hmm, interesting i i do agree agree in the sense of i don't think i will choose to play handheld a ton of the time um but like you know like the joy cons don't have as good of range with the sticks as a normal pro controller that sort of thing but yeah i i need the thing that jumped out to me most is the frame rate like it does feel a bit clunky um but like i didn't know i mean you, you were talking about how like you know the movement or i didn't have the point of reference so like it feels clunky but it, i'm like okay this is just how the game handles and then like when angel and i were playing last week we jumped to rocket league right after and it's like oh oh games can run much smoother on switch <laughs> like it's like oh this is what apex and, is and but then even, it's like boom night and day performance which is funny because rocket league's also panic button and and even i believe that that switch version is is hampered compared to say a ps4 mm-hmm. or pc mm-hmm. version mm-hmm. of uh rocket league 
I, I do think but, um, or go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I do think that Panic Button did some good stuff with the port though. Like I don't wanna like they worked with what they had. Like it it's super minor, but I appreciate even little things like they made the text in menus notably different sizes when playing in handheld versus on a TV, which is a problem a lot of Switch games have where it's just super tiny in handheld. And like the ability to actually toggle like they have cross play, right? But the ability to actually turn on and off if you want the broader Apex player base or just other Switch players that's appreciated, especially in light of how much. Which they're... you will not want to, because you are just going to get wrecked by people who have higher frame rates than you, yeah. especially in a game like this. Yeah. Which is why it's um, good that there's that. Toggle. I understand why they. <laughs> I understand why they had to put crossplay in, mm-hmm. but man, this just isn't the game for you to enter crossplay. You are at a huge disadvantage, even if you're playing um, uh, docked. Right. It, it is, it is funny though, cause like they, they put in some good, like it was so easy when we were, so us three played the other night and it was so easy to find you. Like I feel like so many games, like, oh, sign to your Epic account. Now do this. Now do that. This one's just like, all right, just go search your username. There's your Switch account. There's your PC account. Click done. Like most Switch games don't have that ease of use with the crossplay stuff. I feel like. So like it's, it's funny what they baked, like spent time baking in only to have it be kind of, over even the fact that it has i forgot about this even the fact that it has system level switch invites so like you could be playing another game and get a ping like hey come play apex with me that's pretty slick and the fact that they spent time doing that's pretty cool but kind of it, it just makes it that much more glaring the things they couldn't do because of the limitations of the switch i guess um yeah i mean angel what'd you, hey, what'd you exactly. think of it you you're in the same boat as me this is our first time playing apex i mean i had the time of my life and I don't think I ever felt this way before. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Cindy. True. And, it, and, and, it's all, and, it's all, and it's all in spite of you. Um, <laughs> is that Cindy Lauper's song? Did I get that reference right? I don't think it's a Cindy Lauper song. It's definitely not. It's from Dirty Dancing. I think it's a Cindy Lauper yeah. song. She's from that era. It definitely isn't when I looked up the song. Time of My Life. Jennifer something. Oh, and... right. It's Bill Medley and Jennifer Warren. Wow, I can't believe I got that wrong. And double down on it yeah. too. Who would ever get that wrong? Man. Who are those two names that you even mentioned? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, get get, get out of here. Is um, this your subtle way of telling us anyway, you just watched Dirty Dancing for the first time? Um, I don't think it was subtle, but <laughs> I I did enjoy the game. Um, it's I don't know. I I think these types of shooters, or maybe it's making me realize that I guess they're not necessarily my preferred type of shooter anymore maybe i just been, been spending way too much time with splatoon mm. where i think i don't know it's it feel i don't know it, obviously everything i feel i'm about to say is completely wrong but <laughs> good preface okay like i don't know i i guess i just need to practice you spend way more time in the shooting range just because like shooting wise yeah i'm like i have way more to go on that i don't know it I guess I just liked the the more simplistic scope of Splatoon for each of the levels. I don't know. It just feels... I don't know. I don't know. I just... It just didn't click with me, I guess. I'll play it again. It's fun with playing with friends, for sure. But I can't see myself just, like, picking this up on my own and just going, like, yeah, I feel like playing some Apex. But... There is definitely depth. I mean, when we were playing the other night, Kevin, you just, like, casually mentioned... I can see why people like system. it, but... What? What is the crafting system? Like, what is that on top of the main shooting mechanics? Do you actually – was that rhetorical or do you actually want that? No, like, what, what's it What's <laughs> it do? Like, what are you crafting? Oh, well, I mean, I mean, you could just craft uh, more ammo, 
uh, every week there are two items that are in rotation that you won't be able to find on the maps at all. So, like, usually one of the bigger ones is, like, a backpack. The the backpack that completely maxes out your storage. Uh, you will have to craft that. You won't be able to find it on the map. Mm. So you have to find crafting materials, and then you'll uh, you'll get crafting materials every single time that you open up a bin. So there's that that was introduced, I believe. When was season six boosted? Boosted, yeah. Ah, so it's tacked that on. Came with a rampart. It was as tacked on as it felt when you randomly were just like, "Hey, there's crafting." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, yeah, I guess tacked on, but it's definitely changed the game sure, for yeah. sure. I guess I guess man was in the original yeah. uh, scope of things, but no, oh, sure. Yeah, I I I feel like Angel. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I actually find it be a lot of fun. It it. I mean, it does like you're saying. It helps to have a bunch of people I know who have it and want to play online. But, but like besides that, it just like I don't know. It feels like a better mix of gameplay elements. I mean, like you know, you're saying you prefer to play Splatoon. Like I I keep comparing it to Fortnite in my head because you know it's another battle royale. And I tried Fortnite way back when i don't remember where it came out and it was i was pretty mad on it like i can see why some people can get into it uh but for me it just felt kind of like slow because it takes so long to find opponents or weapons and even the character movement just felt a bit odd like it's a little like not choppy but i mean I everything know. you describe right now like i feel like i could say about Apex. but 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 well that's where it differs for me because with apex um it is the same idea of needing to find weapons and opponents after you drop to the environment but because it's by respawn who headed up the Infinity, you know, the, they were founded by the Infinity Ward guys. They have some Call of Duty history. It immediately resonated with me a bit more because it's got some of those like early Call of Duty elements. Like obviously the first person perspective, but just like the whole way weaponry is hand, like handles and feels and how you look down the barrel of, or, or scope with, you know, the same kind of Call of Duty, press the short button, it zooms in, or even the special moves like Bang, uh, Bangalore's airstrike is like straight out Call of Duty. Like a lot of it just felt, from more familiar, I guess, than Fortnite, or more like where I'm used to playing, because I used to play uh, Call of Duty with my friend on Xbox 360 all the time. Um, and then it also just felt more fluid to me. I mean, granted, the Switch runs a little chunky, but even comparing chunky, or not chunky, uh, clunky, even comparing clunky Fortnite with clunky Apex, I feel like Apex was the smoother of the two. Like, it's just, there's such an emphasis on movement and fluidity, and, you know, like sliding around when holding A was fun as you descend down hills, or like, zip lines like it's super simple stuff but just feels like you're more in constant motion than with something like fortnite so of of the two i feel like i'm leaning more towards apex for sure and i can i could probably see myself playing it a bit more um as long as i have friends to play with i think i mean to your point angel like i don't know if i'm gonna hop on by myself i tried that a little yesterday it was pretty fun but it, it loses something without having voice chat with your friends um, I, I will give it credit that one thing I was pretty impressed by is how elaborate the ping system is in Apex. Um, like they know, you know, they know voice chat. Oh yeah, the ping system was a game changer in the industry. Yeah, it's it's crazy because they clearly they know that like voice chat's not always an option. So they did this thing where you could ping everything and point at anything, you know, weapons, enemies, items, locations. You can even send a ping back that's just an okay that it prompts you if you know you are going to engage with something that's happening. I thought it was like a really great way to kind of circumvent the voice chat or not having friends to talk with issues. Um, like, like I said, I did a couple games by myself with strangers. Ping system got us pretty far. I got the same place I got with you guys the night before. So eighth, I think. So, um, you know, I think, I think there's more potential, at least for my enjoyment of apex than there was for Fortnite or anything like that. But it does lead me to another question for you, Kevin. Um, if I do get into apex any deeper, 
I can't imagine I'm going to hit some monetization schemes, right? It's a free-to-play game. Like, how... Nope. No? So how does free-to-play work nope. in this game? Like, you, it, it, walk us through it a bit for us new folk. You play for free. That's how it works. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, great. Uh, no, but there's no, like, what... So what are you paying for in the game, should you choose to pay? So so there are microtransactions. So you can buy the Battle Pass every season. Uh, that will just get you... Uh, you know, you, you'll get skins. It's all very aesthetic. There's, there's never a pay to win function in this game. Ever. That's, you great. can pay for heroes, like I said, but if you play consistently, you'll get enough to just earn a hero for free. Um, at this point, I have earned enough of that currency to the point where as soon as a new season starts, I will be able to buy the new legend and pretty much not have to worry about grinding for it. Uh, yeah, there's a shop where you can buy. It, it, it's all aesthetic. There's there's never a, a pay to win function, which which I like. They do get kind of greedy with the seasonal events. Like right now, there's a seasonal event, and skins are pretty expensive. Um, but yeah, the the, the game at no point is like ever shoves microtransactions in your face. That's ever really nice to hear, actually. Because, you know, so much of the industry at one point was trying to move that way. That the fact that it's a little more, like, a step back from being too aggressive is, is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there are loot boxes in this game. But, like I said, the game never is trying to sell you a loot box. Right. And then, like, every two levels you also grab a loot box, so it's pretty fast. Is, um, so, Kevin, is, is there anything else you want to talk about with the Switch version? Hmm. Um... I don't know. Some games are just not made for Switch. Uh, (laughs) This, well, like I said, it it was definitely eye-opening to go back to a controller on a first-person shooter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm so used to mouse and keyboard now, and and even even you know, as a mouse and keyboard player, I still whiff shots consistently, Uh, and not being able to hit a single shot on the Switch. With a with both the Joy Cons on the Switch Pro controller was definitely eye opening. Mm. Um, I would almost rather people not play the game this way, especially <laughs> if because there's always the chance that somebody plays this and they think, "Wow, this is the Apex experience." When it it is not the Apex experience at all. Um, I'd rather people play this on even a base PS4, then possibly get the wrong idea of this game on Switch. It's funny because, like, I, as a Switch-only guy, I'm very, like, content with what it is. Like, <laughs> But maybe I have my expectations no, 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 in check absolutely. knowing because I'm if a Switch-only guy. And if you do have fun with the game, at least, okay, that that's you're able to, to look past all that stuff oh, yeah, and still sure. find, yeah. you know, fun with the game. But I mean, if, if you're on the option, then yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then, like I said, if if you go into this game expecting something and you don't get it, I feel like that's not... People are going to blame Apex Legends more than I feel they're going to blame the Switch. Mm, that's fair. And and that's what I don't want people to do. Apex Legends is, is a great game. It's a great free-to-play game. The business model, while... It can seem predatory, especially with some of the skins during the events, the pricing-wise. It's not a... Uh, what's the word? It's it's never mean-spirited when it comes to the microtransactions. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
but then it's 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 all about performance at the end of the day. Um, you know, this is a fast paced game and feeling so sluggish as it does on Switch, even if you have no reference point, is a little disheartening. I I saw a lot of comments that were like, well, the PS4 and Xbox versions had issues when they released them. I just think to myself, that's not a good excuse for this game to have its issues that it does, especially when it comes to performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel like they should have worked on the frame rate a little bit more. Because... Like I said, it's great that they including cross, included crossplay in this, and I understand why they did. But going into crossplay with a 30 frame difference is a huge difference. Yeah. So, and it's something that other yeah. games have sort of found ways to circumvent. Like Fortnite, when you play multi-platform with the Switch version, you're playing against people on smartphones because it's also 30 frames. They don't even let you touch the 60 frame people. So there are like different approaches to it. This is just one and road they chose right and like one great example that i see is rogue company rogue company runs on 60 frames on switch and granted rogue company isn't as graphically intensive as apex legends but i feel that's a good example where playing that game crossplay you're pretty much on parity with you know the pc version and the other console versions what will be interesting to see is there is a mobile version of Apex being developed. And right. I just wonder how that is going to run compared to the Switch version. Hmm. Maybe they are going gonna... I have a feeling that it's going to be better. Noticeably better. Given where smartphones are at these days, I wouldn't be surprised. Truthfully. Because uh the example that comes to mind is Call of Duty Mobile. Call of Duty Mobile looks pretty incredible uh on smartphones. I don't, I don't really play it, but I've seen what it looks like and I see how it runs. I'm like, wow, this is, and granted, Call of Duty Mobile was built from the ground up for mobile. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't see why Apex on mobile isn't going to run any better than, than Apex on Switch. Right, right. I, um, I do think for anyone listening that wants a sense of just how big this contrast is, um, we recorded a couple nights back when the three of us played together. We recorded our online session. It's a bit of a crash course of how the game works. It's a bit of a showcase of the PC version versus the Switch version. And it's with our lovely voices and personalities that you all admire so much. So it's going to be on our YouTube, uh, RamNintendo.com in probably in the coming week or so. Um, it's, we're reviving our old Vidbit brand, if you want to call it that video series to, uh, to to do this under i think it's the first vid been like six years and and for those who aren't long-time listener yeah definitely the first since kevin's been on board and for those who aren't long-time listeners basically vidbit is us just <laughs> playing some games and chatting and like talking about the experience a little more than just like a live stream where it's just um here's just a slice of us playing it's, it's us kind of providing something a little more but not like podcast level so we'll have that up later in the week uh probably and, you know, like I said, it's going to be on YouTube. We'll tweet it out. But if you guys kind of want a sense, because Kevin was on PC and Angel and I were on Switch, and we have captures of both uh, PC and Switch. So we kind of want a sense of what that's like or how the gameplay mechanics work. If you're like me and kind of like Apex, uh, even on Switch, uh, it's, it's probably worth checking out. And that's the end of my plug for that. So, <laughs> But I do think, Kevin, you raised a really good point about, like, the power of the, you know, like, the power switch and how it's maybe holding things back or how, um, you know, smartphones are probably going to exceed it at this point. And I think honestly, one of the, 
really glaring aspects of the whole Apex experience, and I mean the whole experience, like from wanting to play it to actually getting it, is how this game really demonstrates it may be time for the Switch to get an upgrade of some sort. I mean, the the process of just getting this thing up and running, it requires like 25 to 30 gigs to download on a system whose internal storage maxes out 32 gigs. Uh, and once you finally do and get past all the login screens and whatnot, you're greeted with a game that, as we sort of already touched on, is running at the bare minimum of HD on your TV, 720p, and sub-HD, I think I said it was 576 before or something like that, on handheld. And it's sort of that double whammy of like the experience of downloading it and seeing what it looks like that made me actually stop and think like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd upgrade my switch. Like I, because like, like, let's face it, if switch wants to continue to draw third party games, it's going to need to do some sort of DSI like power boost when there's, you know, stories from EA of how like plants versus zombies battle for neighborville. That was originally going to launch in tandem on Switch with the other versions in 2019, but then it took them a year and a half to get Frostbite, the engine that it runs on, up and running on Switch. At a period of time, it was running two frames per second on Switch, and they, it was like watching a slideshow, and they had to keep like whittling away, and now they got up to 30 frames at least. But you know, hearing those stories, seeing the new consoles come in, it, it may be time for an update, which you know makes the timing of a new report from Bloomberg about what to expect from a Switch hardware revision this year all that more interesting. Uh, so on the Switch's fourth anniversary, Bloomberg published a story detailing some of Nintendo's plans for a new version of the Switch. It's a bit what we've heard before, along with some new details. So first, as expected, yes, it will support 4K output to TVs when docked. And second, yes, it will include a larger screen. Uh, according to Bloomberg, we're looking at a 7-inch screen supplied by Samsung. I believe the original screen was supplied by Sharp. But here's the twist. That 7-inch sque- uh, screen... Versus the current switches, I think 6.2 and the Switch Lite's 5.5, somewhere around there. Um, the sound inch screen is going to be OLED. So it's going to be richer colors, better viewing angles, and a fun one for everyone, the chance of potential burn-in on your screen. So get ready for that. But uh, the catch is that it's going to still be at 720p, even though it'll be OLED and bigger. Does that bother anyone? The burn-in, the, the, I, I guess the possible burn-in issue would, but... No, aside from that, no. Okay. Yeah, I was I was kind of one I was curious to see if, you know, since you do put on more powerful devices, if that bothers you. Um I don't think yeah, I don't think it bothered me either. I mean one one would assume that if they're doing a seven twenty P or let me rephrase that. One would assume that if they're doing a switch that's like a half step, like the sort four K one, they're not gonna bump the screen to ten AP because battery power, um, and more to point, so many games as we were just talking about with Apex run at sub HD that they could just get them up to 720. It's still gonna be a boost in handheld mode. If they try and like, if they do a 1080p screen, your game's still running at 576 because they didn't get patched. It's gonna look that much more noticeable, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of cool with that too. I think what's more interesting is um, if the screen you have smaller bezels. Like there's way too big of a Joy-Con ecosystem right now for them to physically make bigger controllers. I would imagine. So I'm guessing that the new Switch is probably gonna be the same size, accommodate existing Joy Cons, maybe hopefully with a drift fix. Uh, but we'll just be more screen and less bezel, which is, you know, kind of in the direction that smartphones are going. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, in my mind, the screen also sort of points to a bit of a mini power boost, though, being that much more plausible, making something like Apex maybe run smoother should they choose to patch it. Because, like, you need a little extra under the hood for 4K. You know, native or some sort of conversion thing. You can't just put the same chip in and call it a day. So I imagine if you're in handheld mode, 
why not let games like Apex be able to harness that same extra processing power to at least get to 720? Like, I can't think of um, very many, if any, Switch games that are sub-HD in docked mode, but there are for sure a bunch that are sub-HD in handheld mode. So that kind of alleviates that issue and then lets the, you know, the OLED shine a little and does it in kind of the most Nintendo-y, like, minimal effort way possible. Like, they don't have to change every game. They'll just sort of make the screen a little prettier. Maybe if you want to bump it up, you can bump it up to, like, just the bare minimum of what HD means. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with that. But what, what Bloomberg did not discuss, um, is what else the new Switch may offer. And that's kind of where things get interesting. I think, um, one would hope that with falling costs of memory over time, internal storage of 32 gigs could maybe be doubled to 64 or even go up to 128. Um, I would love for anything more because now every time I download a game, I have to archive older software and the like, which is painful for me as a digital pack rat who wants all that stuff always accessible because you know the eShop server is going to close one day and in 20 years I'll need one time that I want to go try a game and I won't be able to because I had to archive the software (laughs) so what was that Angel what were you saying no I just report that I know it's really painful but 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 that's kind of a minor thing beyond that I think um, our question becomes like what would what would this have because if Nintendo it's sounding like if they're going with a bigger screen and they're going with um you know, an OLED, but they're keeping the resolution the same, and then they're like, oh, well, we could do 4K on TV. Like, it sounds like they're trying to do sort of a bigger, better version of the same console, like the DSi to the DS, the new 3DS XL to the 3DS. Um, you know, something I think it's a more premium product, quality of life type release, the same way that, like, the Switch Lite was marketed as a more portable, like, affordable type of release. So are there other things when you look at your Switch that you really just want them to fix? I don't mean, like, new features. I mean, like, like, I could give you an example. I want Bluetooth audio. Like, it's a couple years ago at E3, Genkei, Genkai, whatever their name is, hooked me up with uh, this handy dongle. Genki, thank you. Hooked me up with this handy dongle. Oh, Jason. That, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm sorry, people that gave me the free dongle. But they gave me this dongle that plugs into the Switch's USB-C port, lets you use wireless headphones with the system, and it does work well, and it's pretty nice and compact. It's not too expensive either. I think it's like 45 bucks. But... As someone who just recently bought his first pair of AirPods, which, by the way, are amazing. I can't believe I waited this long to do it. But anyway, as someone who is now used to native Bluetooth and everything, I kind of want like a Switch Plus or a Switch Pro or a Super Switch or whatever they end up calling this thing to just gain native Bluetooth audio support. It's just more convenient than needing to bust out a dongle and plug it into the system and have it just kind of sit there. It's not really in the way, but it does stick out. It feels kind of you know like a hack. So if, if it's a minor thing, but if they're already just upping a screen red, just give us bluetooth like it seems just more again premium than what the switch currently offers like is there anything like that that you guys want or are you pretty content with your switch experience not really pretty content with my switch experience yeah i, I can't really think 90 percent of the time so. all right then i got another for you yeah. I'll, I'll keep building a list on on our on our three's behalf kickstand i guess being able to out, being able to output uh without the dock would be good oh that'd be cool USB-C to uh HDMI. That's another sort of dongle situation. Hardware thing, but but just being able to record, I guess, clips across all games and not just certain games. Like it's kind of annoying that I can't do that for Smash Brothers. Just record the last thirty seconds of gameplay. That definitely feels like something that would benefit from if they were to upgrade the RAM a little in some capacity. Like obviously they're not going to do night and day, where suddenly this thing has like 
triple the RAM and can compete with the PS5. You know, like that's not going to happen. But if they bump the RAM a little, there's so many little quality of life things they could do. Because, yeah, they could let you capture any game. Because the reason you can't capture games isn't because there's some like embargo against the game. It's because they don't have anywhere to store that video while it's encoding in the RAM because the game's using it all. So, at least from my understanding. So the ability to do that, if they just add a little more RAM, would be one of those small changes that could be kind of significant. And if they do have more RAM, maybe they copy um, or figure out a way to kind of do what uh, the Series X and S, the Xboxes do, where you can have multiple suspend states of multiple games. Because, again, something Apex Legends pointed out to me, as I noted earlier, it uses system-level invites. So if you're playing a game and your friend's like, let's play Apex, you can jump over and play, and it'll tell you in your game but you have to quit your game, which isn't the end of the world. Mm. But like, if I'm playing Bowser's Fury and a friend's like, let's hop on Apex, I would kind of like to, you know, go play Apex for a few rounds and come back to Bowser's Fury and it's right where I left it, you know? Like, it's one of those things that, like, yeah, it requires some additional spec boosts, kind of like how 4K output's going to require some additional spec boosts, but it's not going to necessarily change the type of game that a newer Switch could run or make it a truly next-gen system. It's just like a quality-of-life thing that just uses the existing architecture to kind of enhance the experience overall and bring it in line with what the other guys do. Um, but one thing I do think physically they should do is a better kickstand. Like, that thing is... <laughs> like, if they're already, you know, if they're, if they're redesigning this thing and they're giving you a better screen and that sort of thing, like, fix the kickstand. Like, I, I don't use it a ton, but I do... It does get some heavy use when traveling, which, you know, having passed the one-year COVID lockdown mark this week, obviously hasn't been a big thing lately, but in those first three years of the Switch... I definitely did tabletop mode for multiplayer on like the seatback trays of airplanes, the tables of hotel rooms. Angel, I think we you even had set up in the backseat of a car when we were driving to Vegas once, like with the kickstand on the armrest. So like, you know, through it all, that that dinky little kickstand kind of works, but it definitely like does not work well. Like it it tips over, it's not it's not stable, it pops off. Like I'd love to see them borrow or rip off or riff on like the Microsoft Surface kickstand or something similar where the whole back part can kick out and give you a more solid grounding for your Switch, which again, premium experience, quality of life store deal, that seems like it make a big difference in terms of making a higher quality Switch. Um, like I think where, based on the Bloomberg report and, what I'm, and my own hopes and dreams i honestly think where the new switch could go where whatever they name it is um as a kind of like like the it'll be the ipod the iphone 12 pro to the regular switches iphone 12 to the switches light to the switch lights iphone 12 mini you know what i mean like it they can have multiple price points multiple qualities of switch it, it lines up a lot with what furikawa shantaru furikawa, shantaru furikawa who's nintendo's uh president he keeps saying that the switch is only halfway through its life the platform may outlast others by nintendo in terms of total lifespan like it lines up with the industry trend of more iterative updates over time you know like xbox is and has well playstation has the pro and xbox has different series now and and perhaps most notably the idea that the switch could be like paced out as multiple iterative ideas of one platform but that lines up frankly with the fact that this thing could be out as soon as this fall according to bloomberg even though switch sales continue to be astronomical like on the surface you could argue is there even really a need to release new switch hardware february's mpd report came out for u.s game sales uh just friday and for the 27th month in a row in february 2021 the switch was on top in terms of both units sold and dollars earned in a February where all game hardware sales were up 121% compared to a year ago, Switch still was at the top of that heap against 
you know, the next-gen guys, granted, they have shortages, but generally speaking, it's doing really well. And Nintendo's still... I thought the PS5 beat it already. Not in terms of... Um, not in terms I know, of that... unit sales because of all the shortages. I know, yeah, they were going by dollars sold, yes, so technically yes. they could have sold but half as much and plus one. It's and still, exactly. It and not plus. only that, but, like, if you want to talk dollars sold, the, the Switch in its lifetime just last month in the u.s surpassed the lifetime dollars earned of um the ds so it's it's now the second oh, most the successful uh, nintendo platform in terms of dollars owned in the u.s behind the wii hmm. so so it's still making a ton of money and nintendo's in this position where like all right i'll admit that that's an interesting fact that <laughs> there even you go. i'm a little surprised there you though. go it only mm-hmm. took 250 episodes to get you a sales stat you're actually like interesting but we did it we did it balloons are now falling down with confetti on me because i finally achieved it but uh yeah i was gonna say that nintendo is in this position now where like anything they come out is like instantly popular anything they come out with is instantly popular like super mario 3d world and bowser's fury i just talked about a second ago number one selling game in february in period across all platforms a port of a wii u game that never charted even though it was a flagship holiday release with about six hours of ad gameplay priced exactly the same as the original just went number one seven years later and that's on top of, you know, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Animal Crossing New Horizons. They're still in the top 10 at number 8 and number 9, respectively. Then if you look at the top 20, there's still Smash Bros. There's still 3D All-Stars. There's still Ring Fit Adventure. There's still Breath of the Wild. Like, even multi-platform stuff on Switch is doing well. Persona 5 Strikers debuted at number 3 overall, which I'm sure is entirely thanks to your glowing impressions last episode, Kevin. Um, but yeah, that was number 3. Little Nightmares 2 was number 6. Like, anything on Switch is just sort of doing well. So there's no immediate arguably no immediate financial need for a new switch right now but doing some sort of premium device allows for nintendo when the time comes later this year to basically do a price drop without a price drop you know to keep that momentum constant and not let up like bloomberg saying as of now the new oled screens are going to go into production in june the systems are going to begin to be assembled in uh july to tune about a million systems per month and that could be out in time for the holidays which is a year in you know, at that point, a PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. And by then, yeah, Switch may look a little long in the tooth. You got these 4K systems. You got this other one that's been out for four and a half years at that point. And, um, you know, that's not even including the fact that the uh, Switch has never seen a price drop. So you got the $300 Switch that's four years old. A Series S is the same price as a Switch. And 100 bucks more will get you a PS5 digital edition. But, but, so that's, you know, that's not the best position for Nintendo, even if they are killing it in sales right now. But if there's this new Switch, one that checks the 4K box like its competitors, uh, like its competitors, they can sell that at the same $300 price, maybe even raise it 50 bucks to 350 but then you drop the existing Switch to 2 or 250 you bring the Switch Lite down to 150 or 179 which is a number they used to love using for, like, the um, various handhelds, at, you know, there'd always be... I think at one point the Game Boy Advance SP was 79 and then the DS was 179 at one point. Like they, they love that 79 number. Uh, so they could do that and they've got something for every portion of the market and going into the holidays. Like they got the top tier that can compete with the next gen. They got kind of the, the mid range and they got the budget. So that might be the angle they take with Switch, with 4K Switch. Would you guys pay for a more premium Switch? I mean, I guess right now I would. Just because my Switch is, I know I've said it many, many times, but it's definitely really showing its age. It's incredibly noisy. Um, 
Yeah. Most likely, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't get um, any, I didn't make any, like, big purchases this year or last year outside of, like, my PC. So, I, I think I'm I'm due for a console like this. No, yeah, sorry, I probably, right, it just feels I probably like, absolutely would buy a 4K Switch. Now, would you guys mainly want it for, well, I guess, Angel, you want it <laughs> because yours is dying. But, Kevin, are you more interested in 4K on your TV or are you more interested in that bigger handheld screen? Because you tend to play a lot in bed, right? Uh, like Hades and four, everything. Four, yeah. Uh, but honestly, hate. I mean, all those games are run. I, I just want the performance boost. I want this to be much closer in parity to, to a PS4 than what it is already right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, um, would you be no, okay? Go ahead. Oh, sorry, what were you gonna say? No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just say, would you be okay? Let's say they do a performance boost, and it's a little more than you know what I was just talking about. Would you be? okay with the idea of switch 4k exclusive games because like mm-hmm. you were mentioning playstation ps pro i don't think ever had exclusive games right but new 3ds had some exclusives like xenoblade like would do, is splitting the user base reasonable given the performance boost like do you think that comes with the territory if they oh, performance boost <laughs> no honestly no um i i understand it's a necessary evil yeah but that's just going to look really bad on Nintendo. That's what I'm thinking. Because um, apparently, according to – I forget his name, but he was on Game Inform. He was part of Game Inform, and then he spun off and is now doing his own thing. He's a game journalist. Dev kits are out there specifically for the 4K Switch, and it sounds like some projects, their rumblings, may be 4K Switch only, which, yeah, I don't know about that either. I think the idea of – having like three tiers and you can tackle three different markets only really works if it does do the full iPhone strategy or the full PS Pro strategy or the full Xbox Series strategy where it's they run across all three just at different qualities I guess you could say I mean because they've already kind of trained us to think that as Switch owners because handheld you expect one thing console uh, docked you expect another thing and you understand there's a difference and even within some games you could change those differences like some have a performance mode so it's a little faster but not as pretty like you know there's ways they that people are kind of getting conditioned to understand that in the nintendo bubble but if they were to just like cut it off completely like they did with the new 3ds and be like hey here's one of five games that's only possible on that fancier one i think yeah that that's going to be asking for trouble probably hey angel do you do big trouble big trouble angel i assume are you in the same boat there or do you feel it's not that big of a deal um i guess i mean if i'm buying this new console i personally wouldn't care right because, you know, I would have access to it, so why would it matter? Um, if I decided not to get it for whatever reason, yeah, I guess I would be annoyed. So I guess because of that, uh, yeah, I guess I would have to say it's, it'd be a bad idea. Hear that, Nintendo? Don't want to annoy Angel. But, but yeah, I do. I, it's funny because you, you two were so like, oh, yeah, I'd get it. And I, I think if you asked me that like three months ago, I don't know if I would. Uh, more than three. I think it's like four and a half now. But I don't know. Like before I had a 4K TV, I... I like to think it would have been a tougher sell for me, I think. I mean, yes, I'm the sucker who buys every improved Nintendo platform. I have three 3DSs. But if the one big standout feature was 4K and I still have my 1080p TV, I don't know if just like the larger handheld mode would have swayed me more. I mean, it probably would have. Who am I kidding? It, it probably would have. But like the hesitation, the hesitation I have though, it has definitely been erased by having a 4K TV, but... 
I don't think that hesitation is valid because at the time or even now, this is still unconfirmed. So I feel like this is all still like, speculative. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel because like the moment it's announced, none of that matters, yeah. especially for you, Jason. You're like the kind of person that will say literally all of this. I mean, case in point, your iPhone 12. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love this thing you will, now, by the way. You will de-request and you will say like, yeah, you can justify why you wouldn't get it and tell us that you're not. But the moment it like becomes available or you just finally see it in hand or whatever, you're like, yeah, I'm getting it. You mean like That's when it. we went to go pick up Rhythm Heaven and I wasn't going to get a DSi and then we went to GameStop together back at college and then uh, 20 minutes later, I'm walking out the store with a DSi and Rhythm Heaven? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a thing. You're a terrible person. <laughs> I, I caved so fast. But yeah, I think I think honestly, like it, I probably would have caved, but been more comfortable caving if it kept the three hundred dollar price point. Hypothetically, if it went up to three fifty, I mean, having the four K is what's going to make it like that's totally fine. <laughs> I mean, your Nintendo's actually Simpson. I mean, this was never this is true. for the base. This is true. And for those of you who don't understand that reference, check out our last Quarantine Chronicles. It's very enlightening and insightful about who I am and what I stand for and how I'm Nintendo's French maid. And I guess apples for and apples, like yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember I was like, oh, I don't like the yeah. Apple Watch. It I want a round watch, not a square watch. Month after release, I had the Series Zero in my hand, <laughs> so I'm very bad at yeah. I like new tech. What can I say? Yeah, top ten worst people in the yeah, world. Yeah, I mean, wow. Sure. Okay, that escalated very quickly. Um, <laughs> is that it? Is there anything else you want to cover? It's it's been kind of a quiet Nintendo news cycle. Um. You know, we had so much last time with oh. the presentations between the Direct and Pokemon, and this time we just had some games and yeah, we Bloomberg. Could. Nintendo really blew their load for the last episode. Yeah, this is why I don't want them to do Directs anymore, so we can bear pacing. So, But before we go, actually, there is one more thing we need to do. Wouldn't that just mean that we're starved for, like, months <laughs> of news and then well, one big news thing? If they kept the Directs, yeah. If they did, like, the drip feed of tweets... We'd be okay. We'd have like. Oh, I think you said he doesn't want big direct. Oh yeah, anymore. doesn't. Don't. Don't. Do not. That's the direct police. I don't know if you hear that siren on the recording. They heard me say that, and they're kind of arrest me because I guess Nintendo loves directs. But uh, yeah, one thing before we go. We're in HQ. Uh, uh, we do. You know, it is our 250th episode of the podcast. Uh, we have that $25 eShop credit giveaway to do. Um, reaching 250 episodes, I feel like is not a feat we take too lightly by any means. Like it wouldn't have been possible without all the listeners out there so we do really appreciate i don't know i have to clear my throat <clears throat> speech no we do really appreciate um you taking the time to hear our ramblings out there whether you've been doing it since day one or if this is your very first episode and you're like jason won't shut up either way thank you for listening and a special shout out to anyone who engages with the show beyond just listening you know whether you're hitting us up on twitter in our comments elsewhere like it, it's cool to see that what we're saying connects with you enough that you actually want to circle back to us about it so that, that's cool so about that contest. Unless you guys had anything you want to add about 250. I guess not. <laughs> cool. So about that contest. Um, so this episode uh, skewed heavily towards competitive games, right? We talked Smash. We talked Apex. Uh, so the idea for the contest is we want to know what your favorite is, Nintendo or not. Head over to Nintendo.com, click on the blog post for this episode. That's episode 250, Choose Your Weapon, and leave a comment at the bottom of that blog post with your favorite competitive game. We will choose one winner, announce it in the next round Nintendo, and we'll probably, I guess, share our favorites as well at that point. Um, so think of that, guys. You have two weeks and you can't win a gift card. Um, but to make sure you don't miss it, uh, to make sure you know you don't miss if you're the winner 
all you listeners out there who are eligible. You can subscribe to us in your favorite podcasting apps. We're in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, we are on TuneIn. We are – I'm trying to think if I can hit all of them today. Uh, we're on uh, – I could probably just make one up and no one would know the difference. We're on Podcastopia, among others, and we're also on YouTube at Ramtown.com. That's probably real. It, you think it is? It probably is. I know Podcast Act is real. Um, but yeah, and you can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. Uh, and I su- suggest you do subscribe to our YouTube, Ramtown.com, because in the coming days, as we were saying before, we're going to be reviving Vidbit. Uh, you can watch us play Apex Legends and maybe learn a thing or two from Kevin's expertise of the game. And you can get even more Kevin-y goodness in our sideshow, Quarantine Chronicles, which will have a new episode next weekend. Uh, before Ram and Tail returns with our big announcement of the winner on March 28th. So, with that, uh, I already name-dropped him twice, and I'm about to do it once more. Kevin, take us home with the final word. Put it in Apex Legends and Smash, you cowards. I'm definitely editing that out. <laughs> <laughs>